Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, how great Thou art. Thank you for these little children carrying palms to celebrate, celebrate Christ's triumphal entry with hosannas. Thank you for this happy day. Lord, please bless each child. Keep them safe from harm and guide their lives. We give you thanks for this beautiful sanctuary, for our pastor and staff, and for each person that has come here to worship you. You know every one of us, every hair on our head. You know our every thought, our needs, our heartaches and weaknesses. We praise you for listening, for answering our prayers, for forgiving us and loving us unconditionally right where we are. Praise God. Father, we love you and we love one another. Help us to use this love to build a bridge that others can cross and come to you. This holy week, we ask you to help us contemplate the greatest sacrifice, Christ dying on the cross for our sins and raising from the dead to give us eternal life. Alleluia. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Thank you most of all for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. The scripture reading for this morning is from Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And I'll be reading from the NRSV. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God. Tomorrow night, the Hasper family will gather for yet another party. We are looking forward to it. Actually, we like to party for just about any reason, but tomorrow will be a very special reason. Um, This party will include balloons. It's going to include a special meal of a person's own choice. And another special request will be met as well. And that request is that the guys get together in the yard outside for a game of football. Elijah Joseph, our first grandson, was born on April 10th, 1998. And Eli Joe, as I like to call him, uh, will be celebrating his eighth birthday tomorrow afternoon. In fact, today I think they went to Disneyland, and so I sent a little cash on ahead so that he could uh, have something to spend at Disneyland. Eli was born on April 10th, 1998, which was Good Friday that year. And I well remember it because of all the services of the year, Christmas Eve and Good Friday are probably my top two most favorite services. And so I was back and forth from the church in Granada Hills to Panorama City Hospital, the Kaiser Permanente there, visiting mom before she gave birth and back and forth. And I had to pull out my pastoral credentials at one point. And when I came back just after he was born, they said, oh, you can't come in. And I said, but I'm her pastor. And I came right on in. And the mother and the mother-in-law of Shannon were very upset that what's he doing in there and we can't get in. But anyhow, we had a great day. And that day we began a tradition, which we've exercised four times now. After the birth, we went over to Krispy Kreme Donuts in Van Nuys and bought a whole bunch of them and brought them back to the hospital, and we had Krispy Kreme donuts. I remember it not just for that reason, but that Sunday night as we gathered for a Good Friday service, which is the most serious service of the year, and we encourage you to be in the chapel with us on Good Friday at 7 o'clock. It is a very serious, serious service, as it should be. But I confessed on that occasion, I said, folks, and Shannon was a and Roger were members of our church. I had baptized her, so everybody knew Shannon and Roger were having a baby. And I said, folks, Eli was born earlier today, and mom and son are doing well. And I said, you're going to have to excuse me on this one Good Friday, because I just can't be very sad today. Now, actually, this particular Sunday, Palm Sunday, is also known in some traditions as Passion Sunday. And so a preacher has the option As we begin Holy Week, which is certainly a very serious and difficult and uh, dark time in one sense, do we start with the passion of Jesus and have a somber and serious service? And that is an option. Some churches do. Or do you have a Palm Sunday service with palm branches and joy and celebration? The Mark 11 passage. It's a bit like uh, I can recall on one or two occasions in my ministry... I have had, on a Saturday, a funeral and a wedding on the same day. That's an interesting day. Sadness, sorrow, joy, delight, new new beginnings. And this day is a little bit like sweet and sour pork, I guess. It's one of those days where you can choose to be uh, somber and serious as Holy Week begins, or you can choose to celebrate as Jesus enters 
Jerusalem triumphantly on Palm Sunday. I'm coming down on the side of celebration today. And I want to talk to you about how to be a person of celebration. And I want to encourage you to celebrate God. That is the the theme for today. And I want to encourage you in that way. In your worship folder, there are several things, but there's also this insert which says celebrate God on it. And I encourage you to follow along, if you would, by having that out uh, as we look at that uh, order of service. Now, this is an important week, as I said. And I want to lean on you as pastor. I don't think I do this very often. I try not to. But I want to lean on you. If it takes guilt, I'll use guilt. If it takes inspiration, I'll try to inspire. But I want to lean on you to set aside your normal schedule. This is one week out of 52. Turn the TV off. Don't go to the sports club. Whatever you do, we have services Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and there's an event Saturday, and there also, of course, is Easter Sunday. And I encourage you, seriously, to be here as much as you can to walk with us as we look at the last week of Jesus Christ on earth before the cross and to lift up that experience. And I think you will uh, be thrilled together on Wednesday night. Jeanette Scholler will be speaking, and I'm looking forward to that. And then on Thursday, our Monday, Thursday service, and Good Friday as well. It's going to be a great week, and I encourage you to come as often as you can. This morning, as we begin Holy Week, we're going to begin with celebration. We'll change moods later in the week. How good are you at celebrating? How good are you at celebrating? As we noted last week... In the Gospel of Mark, one of the themes is the fact that Jesus is on the way. He's on a journey. And in Mark, he's on a journey to the cross. That's just from chapter 1 to chapter 16. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he will die on the cross. Mark is a pretty serious gospel, as they all are serious. And on this journey, as we looked at it in chapter 10 of Mark, we're going to get to chapter 11 in a minute, but in chapter 10... Um, there are two things I want to lift up. And one is that, like a couple of schoolgirls coming to Jesus to ask for a request, James and John come to Jesus, and Jesus says to them, What do you want me to do for you? And then the chapter ends with a blind man who hears Jesus is in the area. He knows about Jesus, so he, he wants to uh, get Jesus' attention. And Jesus shows up. And Jesus says to the blind man the same question, what do you want me to do for you? It's the only time, to my knowledge, in the gospel where those two phrases are recorded, and they're both in the same chapter. It's kind of interesting. And I thought if Jesus showed up and asked me the question, what do you want me to do, Steve, what would I say? What would you say if you had one wish from Jesus? What do you want me to do for for you? It reminds me of a joke, and the person who told me this will... This, this professor from Fuller will remain nameless lest the guilty be in trouble. But I just say that so that I won't be in trouble. But I heard the story of a man who God did say, um, I'll give you one wish, sir. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And so this man thought he was a Southern Californian, so you can imagine his wish was pretty shallow. And, uh, sorry, uh, he said, you know what I'd really like, God? is to, for you to build a highway from, from L.A. to Hawaii, because I go to Hawaii all the time, and it would be great if you could just build a bridge there to Hawaii. And God thought, and he said, wow, that is a big wish. He said, you know, that's a long ways from L.A. to Hawaii. 
The ocean is deep. I'd have to put those pilings way down. There's all manner of currents that come back and forth. You've got to worry about seismic issues, you know, the earthquake. And uh, not only that, but wind on the Pacific Ocean. He, God said, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you another, another chance. Uh, that's just very difficult to build a bridge from L.A. to Hawaii. So give me another, question, another request, would you? And the man said, well, sir, would you help me understand my wife? And God said, about that bridge, do you want four-lane or six-lane? Oh, I'm in trouble now. Anyhow, uh, the, the chapter 10 closes with this question, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? And as we begin to think about celebration, there are a couple of preliminary questions I think you need to answer. You can answer them for yourself. I can't answer them for, for you. And the first question is this. This is uh, preparation for celebration includes consideration of what God has done for you. And so the question is, what has the Lord done for you? And I want to suggest to you, if you're going to be a person of celebration, you're going to have to answer that question. That is, if you're celebrating God. What has the Lord done for you? I think that's a prelude to celebration, to be able to answer that question definitively. Now, as you think about blind Bartimaeus, and as Jesus comes into town that first day, I like to picture, and, and there are different discussions from preachers about who was in that crowd. Some preachers say, well, it's the same crowd that turned on him later in the week. I really don't think so. I think blind Bartimaeus was there saying, I can see, and he got loud. And I think there were some demon-possessed women who had been freed of their demons, and they got loud with Jesus there. And there were some cripples now running who ran along out into the field and cut down the grass and bushes and brought them back for... You know, there were lots of people celebrating Jesus because they could name what he had done for them. And so I think that that's an important thing. E. Stanley Jones, a missionary of bygone years who was in India, wrote a great deal, said this. When Christ comes in, the wonder is not that one can have emotion, but the wonder is that one can be so constrained. So as you consider celebration, consider what the Lord has done for you. And then a second question is this, and this is, again, just our preparation for celebration. Another question is, how do you respond to God's messengers? How do you respond to God's messengers? Now, I ask that question because at the end of chapter 11, you see, we're kind of going all around the story. We'll get to the story in a minute. But at the end of chapter 11, Jesus is questioned by the religious leaders about his authority. And Jesus, smart as he was, he says, I'm not going to really answer your question till you answer mine. And so he throws a question back at them. And it's all a question about how they responded to John the Baptist or how they did not respond, an obvious messenger of God. Now, the idea there is that, look, guys, you did not respond favorably to John the Baptist. You don't respond favorably to me. It doesn't matter if Mother Mary came down. You wouldn't respond to her either. She happened to be there at the time. You don't respond to anybody God sends. And I ask you that question because as you're sitting there today, the issue is, as you walk out, are you going to have been critiquing the service or celebrating the service? You see, some of us go home and say, ah, oh, that song. Why does Ted keep leading us in that song? I don't like it. Or you say something about the choir. Why was she standing there like that? You know, I didn't like the look on her face. Or, uh, you know, why did Ted wear that green jacket anyhow? 
No, 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 don't say that, Steve. That wasn't in my notes, honest, honest. And see, you go home. Now listen, if you like to critique things, if you like to be critical, I give you plenty of information every Sunday in my sermons. There's a lot to criticize. I'm, you know, this is not Billy Graham up here. You know that. It's not even Greg Laurie. And so there's plenty of room for criticism if you want to come here and figure out what you can criticize and leave. You see, the question is, how do you respond to God's messengers? Or do you come to church saying, Lord, speak to me today. My heart's wide open. I want to grow today. I want to learn. I want to worship. And that's why I asked the question, your celebration is going to be in direct relationship to A, can you name anything God's done for you? And B, how do you respond to those people who seek to be from the Lord to speak to you? Um, Helen Keller said this, Unless we form the habit of going to the Bible in bright moments as well as in trouble, we cannot fully respond to its consolations because we lack equilibrium between light and darkness. Chuck Swindoll said, Life is 1% what happens to you and 99% how you respond. So I'm suggesting if you want to celebrate today, deal with those questions. What has the Lord done for you? And how do you respond to God's messengers? Now, some of you are struggling today. You may have had a tough week, and you may say, Steve, I just can't celebrate. This bad thing has happened, or that bad thing has happened. I understand there are times when of, of struggle and trouble when we can't celebrate. However, I remind you, Jesus was on the way to the cross. He knew what was coming in a few days, and yet, and yet, there was a celebration on Sunday as he came into Jerusalem. Now, I must say this before we get into the actual uh, point of the sermon on celebrating God, and that's this. In Mark's Palm Sunday, uh, there are only a couple things in, in the Gospels that every Gospel writer records, and one of them is Palm Sunday. They all four have an account of Jesus coming into town. Mark's is the most subdued. So I'm not going to get too happy today, because we're in the book of Mark. But uh, Mark's is not a grand celebration. After all, Jesus is on the way to the cross, and Mark will not let us forget that. He's going to the cross. So it's subdued. It's more of what I would call a Presbyterian celebration. If you want a Pentecostal celebration, you have to read the book of Luke, because there, there's so much noise, the Pharisees say, you've got it turned up too loud, you know, turn the volume down. And Jesus said, look, if we turned it down, the rocks would cry out. The rocks would rock... And the stones would shout if we turned it down. He said, I'm not going to tell them to be quiet. And not only that, uh, there are tears in the Luke account. So Luke uh, spices it up a bit, but here in Mark it's more subdued. But Mark is nevertheless recalling a celebration. So let's get down to it. If you really want to celebrate God, what do you do? And the first thing I would suggest is celebrate God by giving what you have. Celebrate God by giving what you have. Um, let me, well, why don't, let me read the scripture. I'll ask you to read a different one. Celebrate God by giving what you have. In the account, of course, there's the story where Jesus knows what's coming, so he instructs them to go into town and get a donkey. And Mark gives us a lot of details. There's a donkey that's tied up to a house. It's actually in the roadway, and they go and they get this donkey. And here's the scripture. When they go to get the donkey, the owners say, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. It's just like your car sitting in the driveway with the keys in it. Somebody rolls up and says, I'm going to borrow, you know, they just start driving away. And you say, well, well, why are you taking my car? Well, the Lord needs it. Oh, fine. 
It's a very interesting passage. But that's what happens there, and it brings me to the point, celebration is about giving. If you're going to celebrate, give what you have to the Lord. What did this family have? They had a donkey, and that's what they gave. Now, a word about the donkey. What kind of donkey was it? I don't mean the name brand of the animal. It wasn't a Chevrolet, but uh, what was it? There's something about the donkey. What? It had never been ridden. Now, some people say, well, it's the power of Jesus. He could get on this bucking donkey and didn't get thrown off or something. I think that's to miss the point. The idea is, in the Old Testament, you know, you would come to church. You wouldn't bring your uh, cash, would you? You would bring your cow to sacrifice or your dove or whatever the animal. Now, suppose you're a farmer and you've got cattle and you say, I'm going to take an animal to sacrifice. You'd get one. You say, that animal's about to die next week. I'll take that one. Right? Wrong. You had to pick out, you know, the firstborn. There are all kinds of regulations there. But in, in terms of the animals, it would be an unbroken animal, an unused animal. That's, it's not one that you've used in the field. It's one that hasn't been used yet. And when the Ark of the Covenant was pulled by the cows in one story, what kind of cows were they? Unyoked cows. Get a cow that's never pulled anything and hook them up. And there has that idea of the newness. You know, uh, I mean, Baptists have got this down. We sing after all. I mean, not today, of course, but... Give of your what to the master? Yeah, give of your best to the master. And uh, that's the idea here. So Jesus gets on this unbroken donkey. And the idea is that celebration tomorrow begins with giving. I wouldn't think of going to Eli's birthday party and not bring him a gift. In fact, I sent one on ahead. And I'll go out. Now, I'm not going to be stupid and extravagant on an eight-year-old. Things have changed, haven't they, folks? Have you gone to a kid's birthday party these days? You know, you really can't have one without what? What? A junk, jumper, bouncy, what do they call those rooms? You know, they bring them in in a tent, you, un, you inflate them, you plug them into the wall, you inflate these things, and the kids go in there and they bounce up and down. I mean, I don't know what they cost, hundred bucks or more. But every family seems to have to have one of those. I, I'm actually hoping there's not one there tomorrow, but who am I? But you're not going to go to somebody's party without a gift. And so the idea of celebration today is you think about, what can I give to the Lord? And I give because God has given to me. And I've got a little space there where you can list what you might give to the Lord. And I would encourage you to be thinking about that. Now, if you're visiting with us today, we're not asking for your money, okay? I'm not trying to encourage you to give money. But those of us who regularly worship here, what are we going to do? We're going to make an act of worship in a moment by what? Placing in the offering our gifts. Now, that's not the only thing we can give. There are all kinds of things that we can be giving uh, to the Lord. But I just encourage you uh, to give what you can to the Lord as uh, you worship God and celebrate today. Now, there's another dimension to celebration or another guideline I have. This one is similar, but I think it's slightly different. Not only give what you have... But uh, celebrate God by using what you have. By using what you have. Would someone stand and read this scripture for us? what you have. The idea here is as they saw Jesus coming into town, as he got on this animal, which was a symbol of peace, 
they, they realize that there's something about this that's going on. It certainly sounds and feels to them like it's the Messiah coming into Jerusalem on an instrument, on an animal of peace, it, like Zechariah said. And so they go back into Psalm 118 and they borrow the words from there and they say, Hosanna! Praise God! Now, in Mark, you don't learn we use palm branches today. Probably we just should have gotten any old branch off a tree because Mark, it's kind of a... They just went down the fields and grabbed whatever they could and brought them and laid them before Jesus so the animal could pass by. And they took their coats off and they put them down, put them on the animal and in the road so Jesus could pass by. Whatever they could do, give or use, they did in order to celebrate at this time. It's only from John that we learn about palm branches. But they, they did what they could as, as, uh, as they offered this to the Lord. Now, in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to stand up and celebrate with your mouth. And that's another way to use what you have. You say, well, pastor, it's not much. I know. But use what you can and what you have to celebrate God. There are so many ways we can do this, not simply in giving, giving an offering. Um, I want to encourage you, and I hope I don't get into trouble with some of our great ushers, but... Uh, Next week, why don't you come in on the south side of the building? How many of you know Ulysses Chapman? Brother Chapman, stand up, would you? Just look back there. Now, what does he give when, he, when you come in every morning? He gives you something. Yeah, what do you get? I mean, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. You're just going to have to figure it out. But you're going to get a gift from Brother Chapman every morning that you come in that way. He's going to give it to you. And I think, I don't know him well, but I'll bet you he's a person who can party pretty well. I'll bet he knows how to celebrate. Because he knows how to give to others, even as they come to worship. And what a great way to start the day, by the gift of this warm, embracing spirit that's going to celebrate you as you come into worship. And so this morning, as you think of being a celebrating person, uh, whether it's easy or difficult, think about, uh, what do I have to give? And what do I have that I can use in my celebration of the Lord and the celebration of God? And I'm going to encourage you in just a moment to use your voice to celebrate God. Here's the last guideline that I think flows right out of this scripture. And it's this. To say what you can. Celebrate God by saying what you can. Celebrate God by saying what you can. Let me read this scripture. Let's read it together, in fact. This is a, a group scripture. <laughs> Whoops, I got in the dead zone. Don't do that. I, uh, we're going to say Hosanna like they said it, right? So let's practice. Just look at me. Hosanna. Let's do it again. Hosanna. Perfect. Okay, let's read. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Very good. That's good. Great Hosannas. <clears throat> Is Rachel Pena here? I haven't seen Rachel today. Where are you? Come up here, Rachel. Oh, she said I'm in trouble now. Um, come on up here. <clears throat> How are you today? Give Rachel a round of applause, wouldn't you? You have to come on up... See, if I move, the voice goes dead here. Come on up here. Now, um, you've been a Wednesday night the last couple of weeks to our Lenten services. And uh, was it Sarah that I met this week? You brought Sarah? Sarah, you. Yeah, Sarah, you. Afam. 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 And 
That's that's right, a lot of them. Um, Joyce and I sat down across from Sarah and never seen her before. She'd never been to First Baptist. How did you get here? How do you think she got here? Rachel invited her. We have a theme, becoming a bridge. And I don't know about this Wednesday, but I think you had five, six, seven people here last Wednesday, maybe eight, from her building, from the apartments, from various places around, from the senior center. You're just always inviting people, right? Yeah. Now, you know we've got these cards. Do you Have you used these? You've got some? You've been giving them out. Yeah, it's got all the information here. Take more. There's a bunch back there. Thanks. Give a round to Rachel. Of a... There's Terry. Yeah, there's Terry back there. Yeah, stand up, Terry. Terry's been here a couple Sundays now. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Watch your step. That's the idea. Is you say what you can. You know, we're not asking for something hard here. We're asking you to pray that God would use you to become a bridge to others, a bridge across which people walk to find God. Now, I want to encourage you, you can do that. I'm pretty happy this morning, because about an hour ago in my office, a woman who we've been working with, she's never been to worship here, but some of our staff have met with her or her husband, she called me this week very troubled, big problems in her life. And she said, Pastor Steve, can I meet with you on Saturday? And I said, no, but you can on Sunday. So she came by. She's actually not only from another country, but of another faith. And I said, you know, Jesus can help you with your problems. And we prayed, and she accepted Christ into her life this morning, just about an hour ago. Isn't that good news? I am so excited, I can't, I can't believe it. Because I knew she was coming, I said, Lord, help me. I'm not sure what to say to her. Oops, I'm moving again. And uh, anyhow, just celebrate. I want to wrap up with this. Um, Richard Foster wrote this. And he's a person who has helped many of us in our spiritual transformation, our spiritual life. He says this about celebration. Far and away, the most important benefit of celebration is that it saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. Our spirit can become weary with straining after God, as can our bodies become weary from overwork. To say that another way very simply, we need to take ourselves less seriously and God more seriously. A monk wrote this, I don't know his name, But in just a moment, as the praise team comes, they're going to get set. I'm going to sit down, and you're going to have a chance to again celebrate with your voice the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to do that. But listen to what this monk wrote. He said this, If I had my life to live over again, I'd try to make more mistakes next time. I would relax. I would limber up. I would be sillier than I have been on this trip. I know of very few things I would take seriously. I would take more trips. I would be crazier. I would eat more ice cream and less beans. I would have more actual troubles and fewer imaginary ones. You see, I'm one of those people who lives life prophylactically and sensibly, hour after hour, day after day. Oh, if I had my moments... I've had my moments, but if I had it to do over again, I'd have more of them. Would you celebrate God with me today? Stand and join me in celebration.